Okay, what up, like listeners? Welcome to the show, episode forty-four. Yeah. On the twenty-first of October, with myself, Ben, and Josh, where, as usual, we will shine a light on the news from the latest uh, from the past week. So let's dig into it. Um, I feel like there's only one place to start this week. I, I I laugh only because of how much this story has turned around, not because of the nature of the story. So, um. <sighs> Unless you've had your head in sand, I think everybody has probably heard bits and bobs of the story around Jamal Khashoggi, um, who is a, well, wrote a journalist column for the Washington Post. Uh, He took a trip to Turkey this week to go to the Saudi Arabian consulate. He basically needed to get divorce papers to prove his previous, his divorce from his old marriage so he could get married again. Now, he walks into the consulate and has never come out again. Yeah. So... Through the course of the week, there were, I had to take a deep breath there because this has taken so many turns this week, it's unbelievable. Um, so originally, the Saudis denied any knowledge of this. They have since, so yesterday, um, Prince Mohammed bin Salman, so MBS, as he yes. seems to be commonly known, um, has admitted that yes, uh, he was killed and has suggested that he got into a, a fight it's which fight. ended up in his death. Now, first of all, if you see the guy and any talking anybody you ask about him he was i think somebody put in a quote in there he's not even capable of having a pillow fight with his kids let alone a fist fight with other members of well saudi arabian hit squad which which further develops right so there is so so the story in itself is it seems a mockery what has been released by the saudis um in the background what we've found over the course of this week is that a saudi hit squad so members of mbs's uh, internal intelligence team had landed on i think the first plane landed by a private jet at three o'clock in the morning another one landed later on in the day then two black vans were pictured going to the consulate. Um, consequently, they left the consulate about two hours after Khashoggi had entered to go to the local consul's house. And then they all flew off at about five o'clock that day. Mm-hmm. Um, so well, what else is there? So adding to this, Turkish intelligence have said that they have video and audio evidence that he was interrogated, tortured and dismembered. Yeah, they had his fingers chopped off. Well, well, there was talk. So there's many talks here. Originally, so this has gone kind of dead a bit. But originally, it was there was a floating around that he'd recorded it on his Apple Watch, um, which ultimately would then be put up in the cloud, which means people could get access to it, right? Of him being there was one where there was a line said to one of the the closer in a circle that he said, "Do this elsewhere because you're going to get me into trouble." Um, and then when asked about it, the Saudis have basically said that they don't know where his body is because he was handed to a local collaborator, which in and of itself is a bit worrying that they've got a local collaborator. Um, and then there is the discussion around the Turkish police uh, looking into a forest around the area because they think that's where it would have been dumped. So ultimately, he hasn't been found. The story from the Saudis seems dodgy. I think it seems laughable to me that the idea that one of us or 18 members of MBS's team would have gone and done this without his yeah. direct um, authority. authority or because those, or those, or those close to him. Well, there's no way that, that he, he, there's a, if there's a suggestion that he's, when you see how he runs the country, because he is the de facto ruler, so to speak, um, there is no way that people are doing something without his say-so, right? So the idea that 18 of these would have gone off and just done this hit mission by themselves is, is laughable, right? Or the alternative is 
he instructed them to do this. Mm. Now, it becomes even more laughable, but he's been put in charge of the investigation into reorganizing their intelligence service yeah. off the back of this. So the, the whole story stinks. Yeah, five, five special agents have been fired as well, so they've been used as scapegoats. Well, it's not our fault. We didn't ask them to do it. They did it off their own backs, and they've effed up, so they, they're going to do their jobs. Which is a lie. It's just just straight up not true. Now, now Khashoggi, just for some of his background, he has spoken out quite strongly against Prince Mohammed bin Sal- Sal- Salman. Yeah. Um, publicly as well. So he was on the BBC, I think, new, news time, a couple, just a couple of days before he went back to Turkey. Uh, he used to write a column in the, the Post. He actually um, went to the US last year to, to get away from Saudi Arabia. So he's a... U.S. resident. That's, that's He's a U.S. resident, yeah. but not a U.S. citizen. No, it seems to be back and yeah. forth around this. Yeah. And, and then obviously wrapped around this is the response from Donald Trump and the rest of the nations around the world. Now, the point and around Donald Trump, there's, and there's a couple of key points that have been made as well. So the U.S., last year, Donald Trump, on his first international visit, went to Saudi Arabia. They basically agreed an arms deal that was supposedly worth $110 billion. To date, only $14 billion of that has come to fruition. Um, his view on this is pulling out of that deal will help hurt the US more than it will hurt the Saudis. So, and he has been a staunch supporter of MBS through the time that he's been in power. Um, so the course of this week, he's kind of, he started the week in his corner. Then even on Friday when the story came out that the Saudis said, yeah, he got into a fight and died, Trump said, that's credible. He's since, in the 24 hours post to that, in the 24 hours preceding I was recording this, said that it's not a believable story. So he's flipping back and forth. Because he realised they're making, they're making him look like an idiot. Well, because it, well, it looks like we're given free reign. Yeah for MBS to be able to do whatever he wants and get away with it. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know where this goes, because everybody else is is staunchly against it. So you've had um, Virgin Virgin pulling out of deals in Saudi Arabia, losing, I think it's about two bill, uh, a $2 billion contract. With, um, um, so it was a, it was, I think it was a $2 billion one, yes. Yeah. And so that was on their space race. But actually, yeah. so there's another twist to this, that there was an upcoming... So Saudi Arabia, in MBS's vision of the world, 2030, 2030 is yeah. that he is trying to basically get them off dependency on oil investments. Mm-hmm. So there was supposed to be what was dubbed Davos 2. So Davos is where we hold the World Economics Forum. Mm-hmm. So it's supposed to be Davos 2, or Davos in the desert, however you want to put it, for a financial investment um, institution, I think, conference. And basically, the, I, I can't go through the list of people who pulled out of that because it's just so long. But everybody has pulled out this week. I think Steve Mnuchin is still not quite pulled out, but I'm envisioning that he will over the next couple of days with the revelations of the last 12 to 24 hours. Um, you've got Uber who are pulled out. Uber have strong investment in them by the Saudis. Mm-hmm. So... It's it's really caused a lot of problems. This it feels like to me Russia times two. Like because what I don't understand is, and I thought this with Russia and the Skirples, right? Like the Skirples are, are for all intents and purposes a nobody. And Jamal Khashoggi, yes, he may have spoken out against you, but for everything that's coming out now, I can't understand why he would be worth your risk to go after to kill. I think what this is is that they've done it before, and the previous journalists before they probably because they've killed journalists in Saudi Arabia all the time. It's just that um, this time it was done in Turkey. It was done under the Turkish government's watch, which you've had strange, you've had kind of strange relationships with Saudi Arabia over the past what five years of Erdogan and MBS rubbing. They rub each other up the wrong way. Um, 
So it's just that it's just they've messed up. Same thing with Russia. Russia Skirpal is that they've been doing it for years, been killing their enemies in other countries, and been getting away with it. And then this, this, these, these last two ones, these last two um, assassinations have been botched, and they've come about. If like if, it's yeah, it's just because they botched. <laughs> well, it's the, it's the personal nature, right? Yeah. Because the Saudis, so so the Saudi regime. I think last year MBS rounded up members including the royal family oh, yeah. and kept them basically held to ransom um and kidnapped them so to speak for about 48 to 72 hours um, but, and, and on the streets of, of saudi arabia this this shit happens all the time but nobody cares yeah. because be it's too abstract them. to us right yeah. whereas now this is well one it's a u.s resident um and the questions have been asked if he was a u.s citizen would this be treated with even more um emphasis and there's also the point of the fact that, and it's interesting because Trump made a point of mentioning that he's a journalist. Yeah. And a couple of people have pointed that out as well as mentioning him as being a journalist. Now, I don't think that should in and of itself make any difference. Um, they're not a, a specific rate of people, but obviously people jumped on the bandwagon because supposedly it's unheard of the, or unthought of that Donald Trump would show any support for journalists. It's just important because it's in the sense that journalists are the people that are they're supposed to be the people the um, the voice of the people the people that speak they, they hold journalists usually they see themselves holding those in power uh, to account so when you go around killing them it, it seems looks bad even when Trump says fake news fake news well it, and there is also the point to this that so this happened on October the 2nd mm -hmm. he'd already been on uh, September the 28th and yeah. when he went on September the 28th was told no you need to come back now there's also and, and when you look at the string of this right there's also the question around there are Saudi Arabia I mean he'd been in London only a couple of days before there's a Saudi consulate a rather large one here yeah. so the question bodes why did he and it's not like he went back to Saudi Arabia yeah. he just went to Turkey so if he could get it done at the Turkey consulate why couldn't he have got it done anywhere else now we know obviously that Turkey is easier to fly into and pull something off the, of this nature off than it would be to come into somewhere like London but all of this suggests a wider plan to draw him in to this trap basically and again the, Turkey have there is a question around why none of the video audio has been released yet but again I guess you can probably understand if Turkey is saying they're working through their investigation they have said that they will release all of the evidence that they've got for this so I guess we just need to see what comes of it but yeah it's 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 not the, been the problem with Saudi Arabia is that Saudi Arabia is a very problematic state anyway Saudi Arabia is still fighting Yemen they have a war with Yemen no one talks about that they're, what they're doing in Yemen is well the, this is part of the reason that also some people are because even when all the countries have come out and spoken against this so even so the UK have been tasked with you should pull out of an arms deal as well there is part of this where the Saudis are seen as the bridge gap between the rest of the world and Iran and Yemen at the same time, right? So there are multiple kind of faceted approaches to this. Now, there's an argument between, it's now gone between what's the relationship between the rest of the world and Saudi Arabia, and actually what's the commercial relationship between big powers and MBS. And I guess you can't differentiate the two at the moment because for as long as he is in power, he is one as such. Um, but there, yeah, there are a lot of nuances to the conversations and the impacts that will follow on from this. Not again. I, I'm, unfortunately, I'm wondering if this is one of the things that when the next thing comes along, people just slowly start to forget about it. Um, maybe they can't. I, I, I don't know how this will play out. I don't know if everybody will pull out a Davos thing. I don't. Yeah, that's fine. Um, that will have an impact on the immediate 
advances that their investment approach can take. But yeah. since it's aiming for 2030, then they could get a year down the line. And if MBS makes it through this, which I'm envisioning he will, because I can't believe that he's going to be taken out of power. There's no one else. I don't really see that everybody's going to pull out of arms deals with them if it's in their benefit. Again, there is an argument saying, well, actually, the US have only taken 14 billion to date. It's not going to be a killer if Saudi Arabia tried to go elsewhere anyway. So I'm, I'm not sure how this will play out, but I'd have to believe that Donald Trump can't keep up this relationship that he's got. And Khashoggi can't keep up the relationship he's got with the rest of the world. We rolled out the red carpet for him too last year. M- MBS, you mean? Sorry? He said Khashoggi. Oh, sorry. I mean, he can't maintain the relationship he's got either because when he came here, mm. we, what, he had an introduction to the Queen. Yeah. We rolled out the red carpet. He went what he did 10. last year, what, was he, what, what he did last year was seen as a positive, was a, was a positive thing. He went up and rounded up all the corrupt members of the Saudi regime, even members of the royal family, and arrested them and put, put them in prisons and, and took away all their wealth. So people saw that I was, oh, he was cleaning the, was, was draining the swamp as, as, as we see. But as like, just like Donald Trump draining the swamp, it's never really drained, is it? Well, he's well. He's just replacing. He's just replacing one swamp with another swamp, right? Yeah. In essence, a more corrupt one. Yeah. So I think yeah, we'll probably have an update on this again next week because it seems to be, and this this story actually seems to be evolving literally every hour. Yeah. All right. In more positive news this week, Canada became the second country to legalize rec- recreational marijuana. So Canada joined Uruguay in rec- in legalizing marijuana. People say, what about Amsterdam? What about Holland? Well, Holland is not a leg- legal. It's not legal. <laughs> It's legal to sell it in cafes, in registered cafes and shops, but actually Holland's uh, cannabis stores are very, very complicated. So in, 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 in Holland, for anyone doesn't know, if you want to get um, drugs to, it's illegal to transport drugs. So the people, the way they get their, their drugs into um, the coffee shops is actually quite, is actually illegal. <laughs> so it's really confusing. But Canada becomes the first country. So in America, you have states, you have states that are have legalized um, cannabis, such as California. Um, I can't remember the other states, California and New York still trading behind, but you have other states in America which have legalized um, um, yeah, recreational use of marijuana. Canada becomes the first country to legalize it, and it was so funny because there was loads of queues around, loads of queues around the block trying to buy illegal marijuana. I, I, I it makes sense for me. Yeah, but I think it was just part of being. It was be as part of the being part of the event was it, it was interesting because there's one quote here it's ian power what did he say it's this is a weird one though it's been my dream to be the first person to buy the first legal gram of cannabis in canada here i finally am i mean he was pictured as being one of the first there i think it's him and uh another guy's nicky rose and ian power um but i'm like dude this this has been your dream like seriously yeah. um get better dreams <laughs> <laughs> so i mean we'll see I think everybody will watch this quite closely, right, to see whether it's something that they can follow suit on in future in their their own countries. There's a, there's a few things around it. There's a concern that the, well, they put here, there's a concern about the readiness for the police forces to tackle driving impaired, so drug impaired driving, but Canada, Canada has legalized this because Canada faces a problem because they've got one of the highest usages of marijuana, right, on an illegal basis, which means you're already dealing with drug impaired drivers. Yeah. Okay, so I'm not, I'm not incurred to think, I'm, I'm not inclined to think that this is going to drive up. What I found interesting is some of the the figures around it. So it, it's legal. You can only travel with thirty grams, but it'll be legal to have an ounce. I mean, an ounce yeah. is not a small amount, right? right? Um, you can grow up to four plants in your personal residence. Um, and as yet, they haven't legalized edibles. They're expecting that will actually come later on in the year because they're trying to work out the nuances between, behind how they would manage that. Um, it will be interesting to see. I mean, 
Look, here's the crux of the point to me. They're saying everything that they're saying about, yeah, they, they needed to find a way to manage this. And it is Trudeau keeping to a promise that he had already made. But where's the number I was looking for? Because this, for me, has always been the point here. So, right, the federal government also predicted, well, it said, the new law is designed to keep drugs out of the hands of minors and profits out of the hands of criminals. And then, for me, real reason... The federal government also predicts it will raise $400 million a year in tax revenue that's what I was on thinking. sales of cannabis. That's what I was thinking. I was thinking, that's... that's, that's Legalisation by taxation, people. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a no-brainer. I don't understand why the UK, the UK still haven't done it. Because if I, was, if I was Theresa May, I want to make money for the NHS, I'll legalise weed, I'll legalise marijuana, and then I'll tax the shit out of it. And like, that's, that's the way you do it. The same way you do um, cigarettes, I'll tax the, f- the shit out of it. But you don't even have to tax the shit out of it. Just by making it legal, it becomes a new tax revenue. And this yeah. is this is always the reason that the, the um, county states in the US and countries will be looking to put this in. It doesn't... I was like, they left this further down the article and no one talks about it and everybody on the outside. I'm actually surprised that there is not more of an uproar from the people to say... And, and I guarantee there will be at some point the people who don't smoke saying, well, I'm getting more taxes on it. Because taxes have a way of, even if they're directed at one place, filtering their way through the whole of the country, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and yeah, it seems a no-brainer to me. Like, right, you've got a massive problem. How do we make a benefit of this? There is a... there's a One of the challenges they've got around this is how do they, how do they treat people who have previous criminal records, which would not be illegal within this. So anything is way beyond the amounts. But if you've got somebody, for instance, who was caught and has a criminal charge for having possession of up to an ounce, then there's how they deal with that. Because you have to go back and regulation the um, retroactive. Exactly. So it's a bit of a it's a bit of a logistical challenge for them to um, get around there. But I, I think there will be a lens on this from a lot of people from the wider world maybe not some of your more prominent so I'm not talking about the UK I'm not talking about the UK looking at this and thinking that they will implement it but I'm talking about some of the some of the countries and states which are already a bit more receptive to this I guarantee if they see this followed up by the large amount of money you can make from a taxation point of view but California is making quickly pushing this forward California is making a lot of money from the from because the, you will the you just will it's, 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 but also it makes it makes once you make it legal then the people that are selling it illegally you can crack down on them harder I, I don't I have no issue with it so that's, that's my that's always my thing. My thing. If you legalize it, then the people that who are doing it illegally, you, then you can crack down on it harder than them because you've made it allow, you've allowed the people to go out there and buy it legally. But that's why they've always. I know it's not legal widespread in Amsterdam, but that's why they've said they don't really have a drug problem in Amsterdam because yeah. they give people a legal place by which to consume it. Yeah. Um, and that was the start down this road. Now. Yes, and you stop people from having to go to... And, and again, you, you bring down the amount of money going into criminals. I mean, the people who are selling this on a legal basis, I mean, they're going to be pissed, right? All of a sudden, they've lost their ability to make a, a revenue source. So, and, and if you're smart enough, you just create a dispensary. You, you, you go through, jump through all the loopholes. And yeah, create not a so easy to do that, dude. I know, I know. I know if you've got money. But yeah, if you're, if you're a legal drug dealer and you're, make, and you're doing a lot of, making a lot of money before... Take those ill-gotten gains and become and become legal. <laughs> yeah, and, and and how did you get your money for this investment, sir? Um, yeah, I have kilos and kilos of drugs. At home. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on, moving on, moving on. All right, so in the UK this week we had um, the protests on the people's vote for Brexit. So yesterday, whilst I was in Waterloo taking pictures, were you in Central London? Jeez, I was in Central London. Yeah, I saw them. I fought tree huggers. I saw the pictures. I fought tree huggers. I don't know, I'm joking. But um, yeah, yeah, I saw a lot of the um, Brexit and give us our vote. But where, where are these things being at? I mean, I don't, don't get me wrong. In Waterloo. 
No, 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 no. But where are these things being advertised? Because I didn't know about this until I was reading through the news. I think it must be on groups. Show it must be on Facebook groups. Yeah, but it's 700,000 people. Yeah, like, it was really busy. It was really busy. And it was really, really Because it busy. popped up yesterday and I, I kept it on the news daily and then usually on a Saturday I'll do a roundup ready for the show, right? And I read it on Saturday yesterday and they were like up to 700,000 people expected to attend. I'm like, what the hell? Yeah, so, yeah. I don't think those these things work though. <coughs> what do you mean? Well, I've already said they're a, they're a leech on the system. Huh? I've already said, as I've said before, they're a leech on the system. They don't, reach a, a tangible outcome and they cost a shitload of money logistically to look after yeah. it isn't cheap yeah these people may have turned up for free but it's not cheap to manage the security around yeah. logistics around something of this scale yeah. at the same time there was another Remainers one in where was that Harrogate that Nigel Farage was um, leading up and there were there are a few people on this I mean Sadiq Khan was at the front of this and Sadiq Khan made a good point I don't always agree with everything he says right I don't always see him making the most uh, moves forward but he did make a good point what could be more the people what's really important is that those that say that the public vote is undemocratic is unpatriotic realize that in fact the exact opposite is is the truth what could be more democratic what could be more British than trusting the judgment of the British people now I agree with that because I still don't understand this case of saying it's undemocratic to go for a second referendum first referendum was I can't it was an advisory referendum so that is what it is mm-hmm. and the Brexit that was promised, even to the Brexiteers, is not the one that's coming to fruition. The Leavers have a right to say, well, hold on, we wanted to stay, sorry, the Remainers have a right to say, we wanted to stay the first time round. The Leavers have a right to say, well, we wanted to leave, but these aren't the terms by which we wanted to leave. And I think, given that the first referendum was based on high-level promises anyway and ones that should not come to fruition then there should always be the democratic position that says now we have all of the details you can make the final vote to make sure this aligns with what you wanted Mm -hmm. it doesn't seem undemocratic to me whatsoever and i don't even understand why the brexiteers want to push for a continued brexit if it doesn't even meet let alone in the interest of the people who want it to remain yeah we lost that debate we lost it they fucked up that referendum it was us i accept that right but I can't even understand the Brexiteers who say we want Brexiteers basically on the principle of it. Even if it's not the one that we wanted, we just want to win on principle. It's just, it's ridiculous. Because they're scared. Scared of what? They're scared to lose. They're going to take a referendum. Yeah, but the yeah, point I'm making is, is yeah, but it's, it's irrelevant. What I'm saying is, I can't understand, forget the second referendum, I can't understand why they would want to push for Brexit just by principle if you know that the deal that you're getting is not the deal that you actually wanted. Yeah, do you see what I mean so forget about losing the second time round you should just sit there and go well actually I want a Brexit but since we can't achieve it the way that I wanted it mm-hmm. would I prefer to just remain nobody ever asked that question unless you're asking it to a fucking Nigel Farage of the world so I try not to swear but certain people like him just make me um, <laughs> unless you're talking to someone like him and he'll just push the same rhetoric and bollocks as he did before because this is the same person who put on a false advertising campaign to win the, the, the referendum the first time round just ridiculous and this comes on a week just before we cross off brexit because everybody had high hopes that this week would bring some clarity and actually it seems to have uh, pushed us further into a, a rapid descent into the the gates of hell mm-hmm. we every every everybody's talking now it seems to be speaking a lot more in the way of expectation of a no deal brexit here mm-hmm. um and i don't so there's also been the point this week where uh, was it Barnier who put forward the idea that said we would be open to an extension to the transition period? Theresa May then came out and done one of her normal fluffy lines, which says 
this is not our idea to do it, but yes, we could look at it into a, into a, as a potential option. Shh. Dominic Raab has come out and said this shouldn't be a, an addition on top of the backstop, which, again, the main problem here that nobody seems to be able to get their head around is how we manage Northern Ireland mm. before we even get into the rest of the details. <sighs> this is a shit show. Um, Three's amazing idiot. I think she needs to... I think... Let's be fair, she didn't cause this. I'm not sure she didn't cause it, but her insistence on not having a second referendum is what's causing it. She should give the, she should give the people the, the vote on the final deal. So give us the details behind the final deal and let us vote for that. If we don't want it, we stay in Europe. If we want it... No, I'll do this. Brexit. Hard Brexit or no Brexit. Simple as. You have a hard Brexit and you say, okay, effort, we're, we're coming out of the custom union, we're doing, we're doing this. And if we're staying in Europe, we go. We stay in Europe, and we and we try and reform it inside. The reason why I, I think I know why I got angry at the process of this today is because we, we we talk about stuff in the basis of good v evil. So the Brexiters, people that want Brexit are evil, and people that want to remain are good. It's not that simple, stupid. First of all, Europe. There's problems with Europe. There is. There are obvious problems with Europe, and we are not having honest conversations about it. And the fact that you think that if you stay in Europe and you continue how Europe is going, it's perfect. It's, it's a bit naive. We have to have honest conversations about Europe. I'm a Remainer. I want to be. I want to. I want to stay in Europe. However, I do believe Europe needs reform. I'm talking. Oh bloody hell! This monster's got to me now. <laughs> Sorry, I'm drinking monster. I'm, I'm, I'm now talking really fast. Um, I do believe that we should we should stay in Europe, and I think I do believe that we should try and reform Europe from within. So these arguments that. Um, Brexit, people that want Brexit are evil because so, if, if you do not tackle the issues that the Brexiters want yeah, when, even, if you, even if you win a second referendum you're always going to have this issue of Brexit that will turn its head up eventually in the future the exact same thing with the Donald Trump thing and the, white, and the white working class in America if you do not actually tackle the issues you're always going to have these issues turning up in the future so the best thing to do is to have a second referendum the remainers to win and then we'll talk about Europe and we deal with Europe well, yeah, I don't think people are looking at um, Brexiteers as being evil. I don't think that's the case. I think the people pushing the Brexit referendum policies are looked at as evil, and they should be. Not not evil per se, idiots, but well, dishonest. Yeah. If I'm going to be diplomatic about it, because they built a campaign based on lies, mm. right? There's no getting around that. And even Nigel Farage, what? How you can be the person who wins a referendum vote and then leaves? I mean, how he hasn't been held more to account by the Brexiteers for this, I do not know. Boris Johnson. He, he won something he never expected. Yeah, but Boris Johnson still kicked around for ages until he didn't agree with the plan, right? Mm. Nigel Farage left the next day, basically <laughs> said, well, I didn't expect to win. I didn't think you would all believe me. And now I'm, I'm leaving, right? Mm. So I don't think that there is a, a suggestion that Brexiteers are, are evil. Um, and I think what you're saying there is it's difficult to get back to the point of the reform that needs to be made in the EU. And there's no point in having that discussion at the moment yeah. because we're talking around the point of leaving the EU. And I think what needs to be understood is the people who voted for Brexit, again, as I said at the time, would have voted if we put a vote, the kind of people who voted for Brexit, right, are the ones who feel like they're not being listened to. Yeah. And if you put on the ballot paper, is the sky red or 
multicolored purple, they would have put multicolored purple on a bright, yeah. bright blue day, yeah. right? Because they just wanted to go against the grain of what was there to be heard. So we would need to get through a second, and one of the arguments for a second referendum is, well, you would have to give time and appear, you'd have to allow sufficient time for a campaign to take place. No, no, no. this is exactly what you shouldn't do. Yeah. Forget the fucking political campaigns and the advertising campaigns and the bullshit stories that are put behind it. Put something on the table that is the deal, and as I said last week, have the local MPs in their constituencies stand and hold meetings to explain to their constituents what the nuances of the deal are, to answer any questions they've got, and then deal with that. Make the decision based on what the actual evidence is, not on how well you can sell the pitch or the story of it, right? Mm -hmm. So forget the fact of having multiple months for it. In fact, if you're going to make this another advertising campaign, then don't fucking do it, because we'll end up with the same outcome, right? Yeah. But I... And the reason I don't think she even put something on the table at the moment is we don't have the final details. Yeah. I do think we are edging towards a point where she is hedge, hedging her bets to say it's my deal or no deal. People seem to be getting more inclined to dig in their heels. There's a lot of people who are digging their heels in more and saying, well, fuck it, we'll take a no deal. Some of them on the side of Labour are saying, whatever you put on the table, we're not taking it anyway. So if she assumes that we can just get something over the line because people are more scared of a no deal than her deal, I think what she's finding is some people are looking at her deal where so bad that actually no deal is shit too, also, but also they're both shit. The Labour, the Labour government will see it as no deal is be so bad that the people vote the Tories out and they'll vote Labour in. And, and then I'll fix it from there. And that, honestly, that will make everything worse. Yeah. Because we will get more... We'll reach a final deal if Labour came in, but with Jeremy Corbyn, he'd walk in and get battered and beaten black and blue by the EU and sign up to almost anything. Yeah. Um, so again, this is, this is not rocket science for me. They need to say, actually, we cannot give people the Brexit they wanted. We are not going to leave the EU anymore. It is well within the constitutional limitations of what they put forward with Article 50 to say that. The EU would accept that. You can say if you want, in the background, we will work on how an EU might exit might work and we may do a further referendum in the future, five, ten years down the line, maybe. I don't think that would be a sensible approach to take anyway. But you shouldn't be going at something which is going to be detrimental to our country. And again, I, I think part of the reason that Brexit is not, again, necessarily seen as evil, but the point is, nobody seems to... There's, I don't understand why you would make a decision and take an action on principle if the reality is it's going to be detrimental to the, the, the British economy and all the people who reside within that. There's nobody who comes out of this on their feet well yes we will make it through because it's not it's not the literal armageddon occurring but it's going to hit us and it's going to take five or ten years at best to recover from the position that it will put us in why would we put ourselves through that pain i just it's very nonsensical to me and the government should stand up and do their job and that is look out for the best interests of the country if any of them had the me meagrest point of a backbone in there but clearly they don't so staying on brexit anonymous pro brexit ad says bin checkers so senior mps question how pro a uh, pro brexit website can run adverts without saying who's pay for them it this leads on to another story that um you can now you can now um on facebook you can see who's pay you can now see who's um pay for ads but we'll go back to go back to this original story i i kind of agree i, I i'm a bit should should we know who pays for ads ads especially if MPs are paying for them or um, interest group paying for them. Yeah, I think we should. So, um, 
spent uh, somebody put the, quarter of a million behind this stuff. Yeah, the mainstream network has spent more than two hundred fifty thousand on a pro Brexit campaign. Um, it, it comes in off the back of Facebook announcing new new rules about political advertising. Facebook's got really really safe. It's like you can't post anything that's a bit controversial. Well, I told you before. Yeah. I tried to post one of ours, and they said that I can't post it because I had. Uh, I think it had something like uh, it was one of our Tory ones. It said where Tories out of control or something like that, and it wouldn't let me post it because I had that in the word. Um, and this one, well, this will act as the first test of this new rule that they've brought in. It's not even a pro Brexit one, is it? It's just not. It's just a anti. Checkers one, yeah. Uh, but it's interesting because in the same week, so when you said they've gone super safe, they have also this week uh, hired Nick Clegg as their head of global affairs and communications team, which is an interesting move. Um, I'm so there's an argument here because when they his predecessor left, they said they would look outside for this. So I'm assuming what they're saying is that they're facing such scrutiny from the U.S. government and the European unions. Yeah that they want to bring somebody in who's experienced in that realm. I would argue you brought, so you brought in a man who couldn't lead his party to anything more than a very weak coalition. <laughs> um, I'm not really sure how best, I'll be interested to see how Nick Clegg works with Shel Sandberg and Mark Zuckerberg as, as his boss. I'm guessing he's expected to come in and challenge Mark Zuckerberg. You've got the argument, this will either work or it won't work and he'll be quickly moving back from Silicon Valley to the UK. Yeah. I think it will just be a bit of a misnomer. I I don't have anything against Nick Clegg. He seems to like a nice, a nice enough guy. He seems to have a degree of competence. I'm not sure he's going to be it's a really superstar in the head of a global affairs and communications. It is really funny how um, MPs tend to move into communication roles. Like you have uh, on Osborne, who's the head of the Even Standard in the UK, and now you've got Nicholas Clegg going to uh, Facebook to head off the head their global affairs and communications teams. I think what I think the words you're looking for are how MPs manage to move into lucrative consultancy roles. It, yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Once they're finished, they just make so much bloody money. David Cameron does the same. Tony Blair has done the same for countless amount of years. It's yeah. just ridiculous. Yeah, it's like put up with the pain for being a, an MP for a good few years of your life and then live as a king for the rest of your life. Yeah. And, but this is a bit of a different one because normally they go, maybe it says something about him as well because most people who, who go out, past prime ministers, but even people who are high up in the party go out and do lucrative consultant roles and he's basically had to take a job as an employee, <laughs> which is, is quite interesting as well. And he has spoken out against Facebook before. So basically, he's throwing all his morals in the bin and said, I'll go and work for somebody I called the devil before. Oh, I'll try, I'll try and train him from train him from Oh, yeah, bullshit. I'll, t- I'll just take the zeros on the paycheck. <laughs> All right, moving on. Um, it's a video of a woman manspreading. Um, it is a woman's manspreading video at uh, uh, Kremlin Hulk. Have you seen this video? I haven't seen the video. I actually, it was interesting. I put this link on here because I have. So I rarely go into Facebook, but it must have been Facebook that I saw on. Maybe someone shared it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I watched this. And to be fair, I was watching it. So man spreading this kind of this habit of sitting on. So she's gone around the tube, um, the tube in oh, she put uh, water on the, St. On, Petersburg. I've yeah, so around the St. Peter, Petersburg metro. And I mean, there were some guys who were flat out had their, yeah, flat out were fully utilising man spreading space. Right? There were some guys whose legs were open by like 10 centimetres and she put, I thought it was water. It was water lightly bleached. So it was intended to stain their clothes, but not, have, not be strong enough to cause any damage to their skin. Um, but then there's, I, I don't know how they've reached this. So 
they've now suggested that so the the company behind this um there are company there's a company that they've got they're based out of frankfurt what is the name of them uh i need to find the name uh, now that's it in the now that's it so they're based in Berlin and they are financed by the Russian government and they do accept that and somehow we've gone from that to saying that this is a Kremlin hoax to basically cause division in the West and I'm just trying to work out why the West would give a shit yeah. like I, don't, I mean she's come out and said weirdly she said I'm not a feminist I just want well I don't know just wanted a viral video she's only got a couple of videos out there as well I mean just seem like a cheap, there's, there's an argument that there's a, an argument made that some of this is a fix and one of the guys in a is an actor I just I don't understand how so much of a hullabaloo has been created about I got halfway through the video and I thought this is ridiculous like my only thing is that it's dangerous what's dangerous about it no for her it's not dangerous for her no I'm saying that some guys won't react in a nice way oh for her doing this yeah, yeah well there is the argument that that could be why it's fixed because some of them just kind of sit there and do nothing she's not she won't you can guarantee she won't go out and do it again right yeah. but some of them just sit there and kind of accept her and even some of the guys who are flat out like barely got their legs open and get this bleach chucked over them the argument is is you, you're not gonna see a guy flat out on the middle of a metro wherever you be in the world stand up and palm down a no a woman, I'm not right? saying hit her but like get in her face like Getting, yeah, get in her face. Yeah, but you'll notice that some of the guys that she picked, she didn't pick any masculine guys, particularly. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was, I, I just didn't understand how much... I, I, when, when I saw this, I was like, wow. And even when I read through the whole thing, they can't really put any reliable link or connection as to why this would be... In fact, they actually end up... So they go from political trolling this, and this is the BBC article, right? Mm. And then they end up with culture wars over Star Wars. This is in the same article. Morton Bay is a, a research fellow at the Centre for Digital University. Um, he examined activity about the release of The Last Jedi. And some people took issue to the film's cast, including a number of women in an ethnic minority and prominent roles. Now, I'm not going to go any further into that. How has that been wrapped up into the same thing? You, you <laughs> seem to be... Has somebody sat down and said, how can I link Russia to corrupting the rest of the world today? Sorry. This is just... It, it, it is bizarre how they have tried to create their own... Um, Narrative. Well, their own kind of trail of breadcrumbs. Out, I, I don't know. It was... It's impressive creativity. Impressive creative journalism is what I would call it. Staying on with SJ, SJWs, um, Kate Blanchett was in the news this week. She's been nominated for Oscar for playing a res- lesbian in the film Carol. There's been a bit of a backlash from the LGBTQ... Oh, no, she won, so she, she won an Oscar. Oh, she won an Oscar. In 2015. She won an yeah. Oscar. Um, but... There's been, um, I was trying to get through that, the LGBTQA and, A, and AI. Oh, what's it? Is there something? Is it in? Is it? Let's just stick with LGBT for the moment. <laughs> yeah, um, they've got new ones anyway. But um, they've come out and said, they. some people have got in, in the, the LGBT community have come out and um, criticised her, criticised um, actors for playing um, playing trans and gay gay roles. And my so I think this all kicked off with Scarlett Johansson last yeah. year. That's what's off the back of. She said she pulled out playing a trans character last year. I think this is a bit about nothing. Actors are actors. actors. <laughs> so you, as an actor, you get to play various roles. The reason why you're an actor because you usually play people who aren't yourselves. There have been gay actors that play that have played very straight roles. How I Met Your Mother, for example, Barney, the actor is gay. He's, he's in a highly straight role. Um, Barney. A lot, Barney, the, um, from How I Met Your Mother. 
Oh, I don't. Yeah, Roger. Um, yeah. So he's he's the actor that plays him is gay, and he's a highly he's a, in the role. He's highly straight. He sleeps with a lot, a lot of women. Um, uh, there's been other actors I can't remember off my head who are very who have been who are not so very gay who are gay and they play very straight roles. I don't see the issue with straight actors playing. So, so the argument is that you shouldn't, you can't truly play a role unless you can relate to the experience of that person. Now, if that is the premise of this, then no non-scientist can ever play a scientist. Yeah. Nobody can ever play. Nobody can ever play Superman's role because nobody's ever been Superman. Let's get rid of all superhero movies because no one can relate. Elon Musk maybe should be. So Elon Musk should be the next Iron Man because he is the closest person to Tony Stark who could live that experience by this premise. Um, it. And, and particularly in the Scarlett Johansson one that kicked this off, I think is to do with a guy, Dante something, um, can't remember the last name, but it's basically, the, the story of him was he was born as a woman and became a man, so transgender, and rose up, rose up in the drug world. Now, I'm, I would argue that you're going to struggle to find any transgender who can relive that experience anyway. And actors are rarely picked for their their association directly with the experience of the role they're playing. In fact, what usually happens is they have to do a lot of research and to put themselves into character to be able to play the role well. And that's how they get it, right? Perfect. The most perfect example I can ever think of in my lifetime is when Heath Ledger played the Joker and how he had to put himself in the in the, the position of a madman. Now, he, he, can't, he can't relate to the Joker. He didn't have the life experience of that. I know it's a different example, but it's the same mirror. It's, it's your, if your argument is that somebody can't play the role because they're not directly tied to experience, and this goes way over and above the ability to play a gay role, a straight role, a transgender or a cisgender role, this would be applicable across the board. And I don't understand. So in the article, Ian McKellen so Ian McKellen's come out and said that he's been critical of Hollywood's attitude to gay actors in the past, saying that no openly gay man's ever won Academy Award. I don't think anyone, I don't think sexuality comes into the idea of of you winning an Oscar. If you're the best actor and you play the role, I think people people care if you're gay, if gay or straight. I, mean, I don't think of an actor going, oh, is he gay or was, um, or was he really good in was he was he really good in the role? When I think, oh, should he should he have won the Oscar? I don't. If someone's gay or straight, it doesn't matter as long as you're the best actor for the role. It doesn't matter if you're openly gay or not. I don't. I think. I I, maybe I'm naive to it, but I don't think when people think of actors, I don't think, oh, is um, Daniel Day-Lewis, oh, is he gay or straight? I don't, I've never asked the question. I don't care. I, I think uh, the argument put by him is so Tom Hanks and Sean Penn have both won awards for playing gay roles. Yeah. Um, but I don't think that, if you're going to, if we're going to take the position where you have to be of a certain background to do a certain roles, we do realise that that puts us into a position where you are pigeonholing who can yeah. be played as a certain, well, you should be looking for the best actor. Now, I'm, I'm all for diversity, but it needs to be managed from a, a pr- in a pragmatic manner. Yeah. You can't just come out and say the basis of, and again, if the basis of this is, you're not tied to the experience. Well, I would argue that every actor, and that's part of their trade of being able to research and get into the character. They, no actor is ever hired because they go and say, so are you telling me some of the big actors like your Morgan Freeman's and your Tom Hanks because he's on here and and all of your Samuel Jackson's and your John Travolta's of the world, every film that they were cast in was because it tied to their life experience. No, it fucking wasn't. It was because they are very good actors and were made, able to get into the, the character that role. Yes, they've all played some shit roles in some shit films, but where they've played good roles, it's because they are good actors, yeah. not because they can say that directly uh, associates with my life. I can 
do the work to get myself into the experience and act. My job is to act as a different person on the camera to what I am. Yeah. That is their job. They are actors. I just, this shouldn't even be a thing that's coming up in discussion. It's just, again, I'm all for diversity, but then have the discussion around diversity and opportunity in there. Don't start saying that actually certain people should not be able to play certain roles just because of their choice from a sexuality point of view. It doesn't, it, th that's not a healthy way to be approaching this argument for me. All right, a bit of fun. Neil Witches plays Hex on Brett Kavanaugh. So the witches were placing Hex on Brett Kavanaugh. Oh, Donald Trump, or who it is, like. No, 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 so, so they, okay, so, <laughs> <coughs> there was, so basically, there was a coven in New York who placed the hex on Justice Brett Kavanaugh this week. They've, con they've previously done one on Trump as well. Now, I, so what they basically said is, their hex will be, we aim at exposing Brett Kavanaugh for what he truly is to cause him harm and see him undone. Now, there's then some dodgy picture of free candles and some dodgy bloody dolls that they've started putting pins around and stuff with pictures on. Donald Trump is in there as one of those. I have also watched the video that was shown the one from last year when a witch supposedly, she looks mental anyway, um, and she apparently put a hex on Donald Trump. And again, they said, uh, what was it? They have put in there that, so they think that their previous rituals against Trump have proved successful. We feel, and this is a quote from them, we feel the rituals were a success as they sought to expose Trump for what he is and that has happened on many levels from Russia probe to the expose on his finances to Stormy Daniels. Well, if what you're saying is you thought that over the course of the next year you wanted it to come out that Donald Trump has told lies in his time, mm -hmm. that's the equivalent of me saying the sun's going to rise tomorrow. That doesn't, it's not to do with a hex, that's to do with it was predictable. Not least, when you watch the video, She's, she's sitting in a car to start off, and then when she says it's time to start the ceremony, she steps out of the car, she takes the video on a bridge, she takes a picture of Trump, burns it, says, I think the demons like to reset from time to time because they know the devil knows he'll find another one in future. And as it's burning, says, you're fired, you're fired, you're fired. Finishes off with three repeating the same word three times, which I assume is some witchcraft mumbo jumbo. Um, and... This for me is, I don't know, they seem to get quite a lot of money by putting these on. So this is this for me is just a money maker for them. It seems quite ridiculous to me that we're still believing that witches can put hexes on people in this day and age. It's just, I don't know. It's just, it's just nonsensical to me. And how healthy is it in the world where you've got people even trying to say that? We basically have no particular reason, but we just want to cause harm upon a person. Like... How healthy is society becoming if that's what people are aiming for? Jesus. <laughs> Low hanging fruit. Oh. Um, moving on. Moving on, moving on, moving on. Uh, a couple more stories. Amazon creates a thousand highly skilled jobs. So one online retail, uh, retailers are adding hundreds of jobs in Silicon Valley and jobs in Manchester, Edinburgh and Cambridge. Um, yeah. Uh, well, this is kind of a hidden... So this is a kind of hidden story. So... So they're actually creating, I think there's going to be, by the end of the year, they'll have 27,500 employees in the UK in their kind of fulfillment centers. They'll wow. have about 6,500 in their corporate AWS and R&D division. So the 600 ones that they're building in, looks like they're going to be primarily focused on AWS, which is their growing cloud platform, which is, well, growing, it's, it's ever growing. Um, Amazon actually, funny enough, is, as I always like to say, is AWS's biggest customer. 
um, because they host their own e-commerce platform on there. I, I think this is kind of highly highly fact because the only reason I put this in there, they're creating these six, these thousand extra highly skilled jobs as they put in. They're basically IT and R and D jobs, but they're still the twenty-seven and a half employees around the UK, which have continually we seem to have stories that come out about how badly they're treated in their fulfillment centers so i'm wondering if they're just trying to pretty up the picture of this behind something that is still got a bit of problems on the background it, it makes no surprise to me that they're picking up on their investments in aws it was last year that they opened up uh, a new uh, office in uh, in shoreditch uh, which i've actually been to which is it's pretty dope office to be fair um and it's quite interesting. I was talking to somebody before because they had, uh, is it Hanger, Hanger Lane? So they had offices out in Hanger Lane and they just had to open up because they were working on, they're, they're more kind of um, development focused, but because they were working on recruiting more developers from kind of the hipster crew, they had to invest in opening an office space in Shoreditch because they had to focus on that's where people wanted to work rather yeah. than the job they wanted to do, which I thought was quite an interesting turn of events. Um, Silicon, Silicon Circle. That's where, that's where it is, the Silicon Roundabout. I think it's Old Street. Yeah, yeah, um, it, is. it is. Yeah. All right, so then online sellers pay for positive reviews. So on, um, a witch investigator was hired to write a high rated reviews onli- online in return for free goods. I thought, was, I thought this was obvious. I, I put this on there because I thought maybe I am missing out on an easy money maker here. If which are getting paid money to do reviews and come out with these kind of outcomes, then surely someone can pay me the same equivalent because this is ridiculous. Everybody yeah. knew that this happened. Yeah. All of the amount of time, even some because Amazon are here say, yeah, we're completely against this. The amount of times I look down Amazon reviews just for books, just for books, and they're bullshit reviews. They're clearly bullshit reviews. Yeah. Um, but they've been asked to put a review up, and and in these instances, what people what some of the sellers basically said is we'll give you the product for free but you need to give us five stars and their argument being well we gave it to you for free so it's got to be five stars so this which person went back and forth saying well I'm only going to give you three stars and then he didn't get refunded well of course but they told you the rules but they told you the means by which you can get it. so the fact that they didn't refund you isn't a surprise and it's not a surprise to me that this goes on everybody knows this goes on like one you've got people who will do it on directly through the e-commerce sites and say we will give you a discount on this product giving us a good review others you can go on places like Fiverr or anywhere else that holds kind of gig economy marketplaces and say i'll pay you if you pay me five dollars i'll get you 500 good reviews like everybody knew that this went on what if, and I, I say this all the time when these come up but seriously why are we paying these big companies to carry out these bullshit researchers like research into something that we don't know rather than all this pointless stuff they do put all of this money and all this effort into research opportunities to prove what stuff that we all know exists do I, something fruitful guys i gave a review this week i gave a review for my headphones they were really shit i had them for free i had them since july and they broke so <laughs> i bought them i bought them on amazon uh Mars ones last the whole year this this these losses i bought them in july and they broke and i gave them a zero star rating and i put in the headline avoid at all costs <laughs> Did you not ask me? Because in fair, in, I'll be fair to some headphone makers because I've had that before, right? And the only reason, so I bought a pair of headphones and they lasted. To be fair, because I run all the time and I don't, I don't invest massive amounts in headphones because they all say they're waterproof. Yeah. They're not. They're fucking not. Yeah. Um, so I don't spend a massive amount on because I know in the winter they'll get bombarded, right? So usually I spend about twenty to thirty pounds. That's on what I thought, yeah. And so I bought a pair and they lasted a good nine months, which nowadays a lot of headphones break or start to deteriorate after that. Time, after nine months, I think that's, that's, that's right? fair. 
for that price. But then I bought another pair that lasted for like a month and the same thing happened. So I didn't give them a low star review. I just went back to them and said, look, they think they're broken. And they sold, they just sent me another one through for to, um, free of charge. Okay. And those ones lasted. So maybe sometimes be a bit fair. You may have just got a dodgy one. Um, but yeah, it's, it's what it is. You, for me, it's just your, the reviews on these should be honest. But the bottom line is just do your research. So especially on Amazon, when you look, they'll have like the top three then go into seeing more reviews yeah. and then as you go down because because on the same flip side you'll get some people who are super critical they'll put one star and actually behind her again I see these a lot on books which is different because it's a bit subjective um, but you'll get loads of five stars five stars five stars and then you get one one five stars like with two word updates and then you get one one star with a long description so it's just about doing a bit of your research guys as Anything you're going to spend money on, I would say, especially online, you should be doing that anyway. But yeah, this just seemed to be no shit Sherlock outcome on their, their research, to be honest. All right, the last news of the week is that it was YouTube, YouTube went down last week. Um, it was, when I think, went down for a couple of hours. Yeah, it was like uh, half one at night for the US. So it must have been like early morning for us here. Yeah, the people, when I woke up on, I think when I woke up on that day, I saw Twitter going crazy about it. Like, YouTube's down, YouTube's down. And I couldn't log into YouTube and I was like, okay, cool. I just like the response to this. So I think over in the States, something. So Philadelphia police tweeted, um, yes, our at YouTube is down too. No, please don't call 911. We can't fix it. Um, meanwhile, another American game, uh, gaming YouTuber wrote, YouTube's down. Can it really be true? Am I finally free? <laughs> <laughs> so that was more the response of it to me. I was like, the world shouldn't fall apart when YouTube goes down. But it's always funny when you see the the responses to these online. We, we, we've become so accustomed to services being there 24-7 that people literally lose their shit when something goes down, even for a small amount of time. Um, I just always find it quite funny when people... Have it. And it's good to show people's dependencies that they're getting on these things. Oh my God, half one in the morning, I can't live without YouTube. Like, yeah. Calm down, people. Calm down, Get yeah. a grip. All right, so what have you been reading this week? Uh, I actually... So I... Have run out of. I've not run out of audiobooks, but I've not found. I found a couple that I'm going to buy. I think Neil deGrasse Tyson's got a new one out. I actually just finished. Well, I've got about four pages left on um, Terry Crews's book, Manhood. It's fucking sick. Like, so basically, it's, it's manhood, how to be a better man, or how to just live with one, right? But it's not really. It's his autobiography, and it's crazy. I went. I was. I've listened to like podcasts he's done before, but his story is mad. Mm -hmm. So like, he goes from him dropping out of the NFL, which I knew about, but then he goes into the kind of low levels he went to, working in some administration place for like eight dollars an hour. When he was making, I was reading in there. So when he was making white chicks, he was still broke. He was still renting places. I think he bought a house. But then he was out of films for a while, so he had to um, he had to sell his house. Somebody had to help him actually to sell the house because he was falling behind on the mortgage payments. And then even then, I think it wasn't until he started go even till like the longest yard, he was still like trying his way through. Because in the longest yard was when he met with Chris Rock, and Chris Rock was always asking him questions about, "Oh, you've been married for like seventeen years," and he was asking him all these questions about his home life, and he didn't get why. And then Chris Rock kind of dropped it on him like. I'm trying to make this story about my life and it relates to your kind of life that you've led both when you were younger and growing up and that's how he ended up in everybody hates Chris. Chris but it wasn't till he like even till he was like late 30s like it wasn't till he like really made it but when you're looking at him, when you look at him in White Chicks I was thinking I just thought Terry Crews is is he, a Hollywood star that's what he, I just saw him as but he wasn't but he was he was in um, he was in loads of films before that but, but he was, before that he was like a gladiator there was that American, the yeah, American, yeah, American yeah but he was they had like one season on that and he, yeah and he made 
he auditioned for that like two years before they called back and put him in there. Okay. But that wasn't a solid money maker for him. I think he was in the sixth day. Um, and obviously that was, he would end up with one film, but not a major part and then wouldn't be able to get something consistently in. And I, and I just thought that's weird. Cause when you look at people, actors in, in Hollywood, you just think, yeah, they've made it. They're, they're doing well. And when I was reading this story, I was like, wow, I, I didn't realize just how much he'd gone through and how late on in life he, he actually started to build his success. And then some of the troubles he goes through in, in the back, like, like personal issues, like, wow, this is a, a deep story. But it, it's a good read for me to see somebody, if you're, so if you're getting to like your, because people have traditions like a meltdown, yeah. and like their 30s. But when you've seen some of the ways he bounces back through things, I just think, I, I thought that was a really good read. I enjoyed it. Okay, cool. I haven't read anything. I've been to this podcast. Um, not really. I haven't been to this podcast. I've been watching. So I've started listening to, um, to the Minimalist podcast, the Ground Up one. So it's just about minimalists and do it decluttering your life and if you use one plate and have one fork then you save time on washing up and if you wear the same clothes every day then you save time on, on like you know like Mark Zuckerberg and Steve Jobs they wear the same clothes all the time so they don't have to do well it's funny my friends are one of the guys I work with he's like do you have anything more than white shirts so yeah. I was like no dude like so, I have like three pairs of trousers just so it doesn't look like I wear the same shit every day yeah. and uh, a set of shirts I don't, I don't need to expansive yeah so when you wake up in the morning you know you just know what shirt you're going to easy the same thing as when I'm going out now I put on the same I don't care how it sounds I put on the same shorts as I had on yesterday like and I've got like a hoodie a standardised hoodie that I wear I don't care I've literally got like a handful of clothes I've got loads of clothes yeah. that I will probably wear once when I've been out and then I've got this small handful of clothes that I will wear pretty much 90% of the time yeah so I'm, I'm um, watching those podcasts and then um, what I've been doing a lot when I'm in the gym is into Jocko, so I listen to Jocko Wilkins, um, little his, his little two minute videos, his three minute videos. So I listen to it's good, time's running out, um, stop lying to yourself. I love the way Jocko talks because it just sounds so epic. Like I was doing, I was listening to Jocko on the way here, and I found myself when he starts going into it, I start walking faster, and I start walking like I've got a purpose. I'm going to the podcast. I'm walking, and um, I've you listen to his podcast. No. I, I think his podcasts are wicked. I, I, I think, I know why. I can imagine why, but I find his podcasts quite long. His podcasts are long, but his Q&A ones, not so much, because it's weird. Even he says it. He's like, loads of people asking the same questions that he's answered loads of times before, but the ones where he dissects a book, especially the military books, are just dead dope. I think yeah. they're wicked. I just actually, literally, this week, I bought a dichotomy of leadership sitting there in front of me. I need to start up the day. Because of, um, he was on the case in ASAP, um Casey Nace um, YouTube channel this week and it was really interesting that, like Jocko wakes up at 4, 4.30 every morning and, and Ben wakes up around the same time um, Ben's post but Ben has the time ex- the other time well, ex- actually died on my uh, watch that's why but, I posted yeah, <laughs> but Ben used to post the time ex- what's the same thing as Jocko and um, Casey wakes up around 5 o'clock every morning and what Casey said I kind of agree with Casey is that between 5 and 7 um, between 5 and 7 is a time where most people are asleep and no one's on social media no one's actually going to call you no one's going to distract you that's when you can get like real real like time in and for me that's great because if I, between 5 and 7 I post my my pictures on Instagram about 6am 6.30 because I usually edit between 5 and 7 because I don't, I don't usually sleep between that time that time is just useful for me so no one's around on distracting me no one's saying oh are you, are you still editing or things like that so I found that really interesting that Casey would have um, Jocko on, on his po- on his um, YouTube, channel, YouTube channel, but it, yeah, it just 
I, I love listening to Jocko when I'm, when I'm doing stuff now because it's like a little, I don't really like motivational speakers because I, I, I had my fill of them and I've, I liked I watched I read I watched Eric Thomas I listened to um, Gary Vaynerchuk and all those people I love I love them but I think sometimes you can get addicted to them but I like I love Jocko's little two three minute um, motivational speaks they get me chewed up but do you know what but he's more about discipline it's yeah. the same thing do you know what I like I always remember the one from um, when Joe Rogan interviewed David Goggins and he was like everybody's everybody's looking for you to in, on all of these when they interviewed right even when it's Eric Thomas or somebody some of your motivational speakers play on it Gary, Gary V not so much because he still says the same shit like you may be motivated by people but he's not really talking about people yeah. and David Goggins and Joe Rogan's like People are waiting, expecting that you're going to say something profound. That yes, that tell gives them the answer. And what you're saying is that all that shit, all that hard stuff. You need to do that yeah. and do it consistently, and then you might grow over time. And I'll that's the same kind of thing that Jocko would say. He's always right. Instill discipline in your life. Follow certain key tenets, and you will get better over time. Face challenges. Don't run away from. Them. It's it's simple stuff. It's basic. Goggins and and we listen to Goggins and we listen to Jocko. They say these very similar things. I've been to Goggins as well this week, right? Goggins is a fucking beast. He had he won that award this week and he's crying. He's a he's a beast. But he's also scary because of what he does and what you do what you what you've been trying to do is push yourself to the point where you can't go any further. And human beings need to start doing it. Just get comfortable and being uncomfortable. I, I've started doing it with my photography. There's things that I just don't like doing in photography. I don't like shooting at low light. And I have to get, I have to get comfortable at being uncomfortable. That's the only way you're going to know how good you actually are in but, anything. And this is what I don't... Because it's funny. Because I love listening to some of the people who I just truly can relate to some of the problems they've got. I'm not a, a, a David Goggins, right? But he's like... People ask me, what if you hate to run, why do you run? But then I think to myself, because people assume, because I run like run on like 150 kilometers a week, I go gym twice a, a day, right? They assume that I just love doing that. No, a lot of times there are days where you're like, I don't want to fucking work out today. Yeah. I don't want to do that shit, but I still need to go and do it anyway. There are times I don't want to get up. Of course, I would like to sleep in until nine o'clock in the morning, right? It's not fun for me when the alarm goes off at quarter to five in the morning, especially if I'm not going to bed till like one o'clock, but you have to do that shit. And everybody, again, everybody's looking for like this ma- these magic beans. And I'm like, they don't fucking exist. Mm. And you can listen to all the motivational speakers you want. But if you don't get that into your head, it's, it, you, you, you're not going to take steps forward. This is not even going to happen. Um, I still listen to David Goggins' uh, interview every single day. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. Um, so that's the end of the podcast. It's lights out from me. And as ever, you can follow. We need to do this at the start of the episode next yeah. time. We never do. Um, if you can follow and rate as you can track us down the live podcast on Apple Podcasts, Overclast, SoundCloud, most of the mainstream podcast apps, you can find us on Facebook and we've got an Instagram channel as well where I'll post the links to new, all the new shows. Um, again, if you can rate, support us, Fun. share us with your friends, then we would be truly, truly grateful. And thank you for any support to date so far. Um, yeah, and so we hope you have a good week. And that's Lights Out for me too. And peace, guys. Peace.